0: welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your non-stop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes.
2: Listen safely. Can't wait.
0: Uh, I mean, everything is happening fast for me. Uh, the call came in, you know, a lot of, you know, things running through our minds and everything like that. So, you know, we just played the call that the coaches called and got to execute, but you got to help us out at the same time, just being a you know, better call at that spot.
1: That was Marcus May. After Sunday's game, the Jets may finally be turning on the coaching staff. After an emotional roller coaster ride in the fourth quarter, the Jets are 0-12, still on track for the number one overall pick in the draft. They lose to the Raiders 31-28. It was not easy, though. Tim McMaster here, along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Thanks for joining us early in the morning. If you're joining us on YouTube, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review on Apple, a lot to get to. We'll talk about Greg Williams play call, of course, late in the game. We'll talk about Sam Darnold, the running backs, the young running backs who played well. But first of all, we're recording early. It was an emotional day for everyone. Marissa Connor, how are we holding up?
0: I'm I'm rough. I need beauty sleep, man. I'm gonna be <laughs> honest with you guys. Like I, I did get the note that uh, from Bree she was talking about the podcast. She goes, can you not scream like you did last <laughs> time? I was like I was like, you're gonna have to worry. You're not gonna have to worry about that today. I'm a little, I'm a little beat down, man. I, I gotta get used to like this whole time thing, going from like the game, the one o'clock game into Manhattan, then back home, then doing a nine a.m. pod. I don't know. We might have to push these back in the future to like eleven. At least let me recuperate and get get some energy back. I'm pretty sure, like, I actually, like, I might still have some makeup on too, which is like a new, a new. You're supposed thing to take your
2: makeup out, off of before you yesterday. go to sleep, Connor. Come on.
0: Yeah, you gotta get I, those wipes. New to this so you game. don't have to like wash your face. You just grab the wipe, and we do have his and hers makeup wipes. But I was so fried when yeah, we got I hers from like Brie them. She like does another fun little purchase, like throwing makeup wipes on. She's like, you can just use mine. She goes, <laughs> just buy a little more. But uh, I I I I, don't, I usually do remember like wipe it down. But I was so tired yesterday, and I forgot I had it on. I just passed out, and then I woke up today, and I see it, and I was like, oh man. So I wiped it down a little bit before we came on, but. I know, like, when you sleep in it, like, bad stuff can happen. Like, you'll break out and all that other fun stuff. So that's not, I don't know. This is a whole new world for me. <laughs> I would say, like, my, fa- my makeup is really impressive. Like, I will, I will give, like, I think, I, I think we talked about this on the podcast before. Like, I'll never give Brie uh, shit for like taking a while to get herself ready because I remember I did a, uh, I did a couple. I used, uh, I do hits for SNY, and I woke up one morning before like a hit with SNY, and I had like a pimple on my face. I can't remember if I told this story on here before. But I was like, damn, like, of course, the day I have my TV hit in the studio, I have to have like a pimple and it's going to suck. And I was like, and everything's 1080p now. So like everyone's going to see my pimple and everyone's going to make fun of me. Because, you know, that's what goes on in my head is that everyone's going to care that I have a pimple on my face. I'm going to make fun of me. So I go into the studio and like, you know, I sit down with the the makeup uh, lady and and she starts like putting it on, blah, 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 talking to me, all this stuff. She's like, okay, you're good. She turns me around I see the mirror. Pimple's freaking gone. (laughs) I look gorgeous. I have like a nice tan. The pimples gone. It's freaking awesome. I was like, man, we're set. We're set. This stuff's great. I came home and told Bria. I was like, I might start wearing this stuff more often. It made me yeah. look gorgeous.
1: Just wear it to Jets <laughs> practice. The rest of the beat, yeah. they'll love yeah. that. All yeah. right. Let's uh, let's get into this game, and man, oh man, what a wild one it was. Um, we'll start at the end, and that's probably what we're going to focus on for most of this podcast. Um, it was crazy, and it wasn't just this game, but while the Jets-Raiders game was going on, you had the Jaguars and the Vikings late in that game, the Jaguars coming back, and it was just back and forth. The Jets took the lead, then the Raiders fail on fourth down deep in Jets territory. It looks like it's over, and the Jets are finally going to win but lose that pick. The Jets end up punting it back. Meanwhile, the Jaguars at that point get the touchdown, two-point conversion, and it looks like the Jets could could win the game and still keep the number one overall pick. But then Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs, third and 10 from the 46 with 13 seconds left. And the Jets lose, 31-28. Then the Jaguars end up losing, so it had to happen in order to keep... The Jets on pace for the Trevor Lawrence pick, and it all comes down to the call. Connor, Greg Williams sends everyone, and the stat was, and this was everywhere on Twitter, Jets the only team this season to send eight or more pass rushers on a play in the final 30 seconds of a game, and it burned them. Your thoughts?
0: It's more so than that, man. I mean, ESPN went back actually 15 years. Like, ESPN stats and info, they went back 15 years, and they were the only team that did it in that situation going back 15 years. There was something like uh i know rich tweeted it out i think it's like 251 instances of like the similar situation with time score positioning on the field down a distance no timeouts and literally the jets are the only team to blitz everyone i mean i've said it before i've, I've been on this team this team i've been on this beat for since 2014 now so it's it's been a minute i've covered a lot of losses I've covered a lot of bad football. I've covered really bad decision-making. I know the one I, I always can think. I mean, there's several with the Gase regime, but also even going back to Todd Bowles, you know, punting against the Steelers on fourth and three at midfield, down eight. You know, like, I, I mean, there, there have just been times over and over and over again where it's been like, man, that was the wrong call. That was the wrong call. That was the wrong call. But on almost all of the calls – you could have a justifiable explanation that followed it to be like this is why it happened this is why they did this and you're gonna be like okay i don't agree with it but it was still wrong but at least you could see their line of thinking this decision by greg williams was one of the most ignorant egregious arrogant calls i've seen ever watching football as a fan covering football as a profession watching a ton of bad Jets football, this one takes the cake. This is just for – this is a call that you don't make on the Pop Warner level. This is a call that you don't make on the JV in high school level. You don't make this call in high school. You make this in D3. You don't make this. No one else makes this call. And Greg Williams, the second G stands for genius. Greg Williams and his 40 years of coaching experience that he likes to remind everyone of so, so often, anytime you talk to him, goes out there and dials up an all-out blitz. When you're leading by four, there are 13 seconds left to play. Yes, the Raiders, and I'm going to say Oakland 100 times, but yes, the Vegas Raiders, I can't get used to that one. Yes, the Vegas Raiders are at midfield, but they have no timeouts. A tackle in bounds, the game is over sideline passes delay the inevitable and you decide to run the only play that gives this team a semblance of a chance you hang lamar jackson bryce hall and marcus may in man-to-man coverage out to dry you wouldn't let marcus may try to cover darren waller despite the fact not one single player on this jets roster could stop him worth a damn but on that final play marcus may was one-on-one with hunter renfro and hunter renfro was open Bryce Hall's guy was a little bit covered, but he ran an out route towards the sideline, and then Ruggs obviously beat Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson deserves no blame for this. He's an undrafted rookie forced into the starting lineup because of horrendous cornerback play, injuries, and obviously the release of Pierre Desir. Your coordinator in Greg Williams is supposed to set that player up to have success. He's supposed to set that player up to thrive. He's supposed to set that player up to do good things and make his life easier. Instead, he hung him out to dry. He put him in an impossible situation, a, a situation that they give Lamar Jackson credit because after the game, he took everything on the shoulders and, 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 and shoulder the blame, which, and, and he showed maturity wise beyond his years. Um, but Greg Williams failed him. And this kid's now going to see himself on sports center on NFL network, on CBS, on NBC, on ABC, any, anywhere that shows game highlights, this kid's going to be the face of the Jets ineptitude. And it didn't have to be that way. And Honestly, I think the most pathetic aspect of that play and one of the, one of the just like, you got to be kidding me, aspects of that play is that call came from Greg Williams. Adam Gase had nothing to do with it. Um, no one else on on the staff. Had, that is a Greg Williams defensive call. Adam Gase had to stand in front of the media right after that devastating, demoralizing loss that, that very much looked like it fractured and broke the Jets. That the, the Jets finally, it's, and we can talk about this in a second, but it looks like the Jets finally done. Uh, one that just totally broke that team's spirit. Adam Gase did not make the call. He had to stand up and answer for it. Marcus May did not make that call. He had to stand up and, and and answer for it. Undrafted rookie corner Lamar Jackson did not make that call. He was hung out to dry by his defensive coordinator. He had to stand in front of the media and answer for it. All while Greg Williams got in his car and drove home. Like, it's just, it's unacceptable. And we're not going to talk to Greg until Friday. There's no chance that he's going to decide to talk to us before. He's going to give us some bullshit filibuster answer for three and a half minutes about, oh, we played hard, still four games left, really like the guy's effort. You know, the BS he always talks about. And then we're going to ask about, he's going to go, yeah, it was the wrong call, but we're on to next week. And he's going to hide from it. He can make this egregious, arrogant, ignorant, moronic defensive call. Something that is literally unprecedented in the NFL. That's how dumb this was. It's unprecedentedly dumb. And I don't even know if you, those words have been combined before. They just were. And that's what just happened with Greg Williams. And he's just going to sit back and be like, all right, well, you know what? Everyone's going to forget about it by next week. Adam Gase can take the heat. Marcus May can take the heat. Uh, Br- uh, Bryce Hall can take it. Lamar Jackson can take it. Everyone, Jordan Jenkins can take it. But the guy who actually is responsible for it, the guy who's the reason why the Jets lost this game, He's going to hide. And I know, honestly, honest look, honestly, none of this matters because Jet fans are happy. They lost a game. Trevor Lawrence's stream lives, and we'll, we'll break that down. But it's just, you know, you talk about are the Jets going to go 0-16. Is this team ever going to win a game? Is this going to be the year they get one? Are they finally going to you? Know, oh, but they have to win a game, right? They're 16. Oh, there's only been two teams before who went 0-16. Like, ha- the Jets have to find one game. Like, there's going to be one on this schedule. When stuff like that happens, when, when you are literally – Looking at an opponent, you're leading by four, 13 seconds left. Opponent has no timeouts. You're, they're at midfield. Your defense is coming off a fourth down stop. All of the momentum, and that happens. That's when you know you're going 0-16, because that doesn't happen when you're 1-15. That doesn't happen when you're 2-14. That doesn't happen when you're 3-13. That when things like that happen, that means 0-16 is coming, because there's just there's no, whew, oh boy. That was I, I'll tell you, I've never ever seen anything like that before.
1: Yeah, that was the one. This was the one that was going to be on the schedule, it feels like. Yeah, Gase after the game said, our guys work way too hard to go through this shit. Um, Carr after the game on the Raiders' side said, I can't believe they all outblitzed us. As soon as I saw it, I was thankful. Um, I w- I'm will. i willing to put 95, yeah, maybe 98% of the blame on Greg Williams. I will say though, they sent 8 at the quarterback, and some of them were obviously free when you send that number, and nobody no, even got thing. a, pressure. No got, nobody okay, got a right. pressure on him. So I will, I'm will. i going to save like 3% of the blame, not for the secondary, like you said, not at all. Those poor guys were left out to dry. But I'll put a little blame on the pass rush for not getting a car at all.
0: Yeah, it, it was all of it was bad, man. I mean, it really was. It was all just so... Like the press box, I, it, no, I don't think too many people have ever been in a, a working press box before. Obviously, you guys have during you, this field, but there are fans and listeners. They haven't been in a working press box. It's generally, except for in Philadelphia, for whatever reason. And this isn't this isn't a bo joke. Like in Philly, randomly, it's like noisy in the Philadelphia press box. I remember like when I covered the Giants that year. Like they told me they're like, yeah, Philly's gonna make some noise, and like it's it's odd. Like they don't cheer, but they're just very like ooh ah. Like they they react to the plays. It's it's different. It's it's like very unique. Uh, in almost every other press box that's not the case like you always have the announcement like this is a working press box please keep it low so there's no cheering there's no wow i think the only other time that i've heard a noise like what happened when rugs caught that touchdown universally all the way down the line of reporters and it's it's not nearly as packed as it usually is because there's no visiting media there but the only time i've heard everyone go either oh my god holy crap what did that just happen? Oh my God or just gasp like literally just gasps The only time I heard that reaction was when Odell Beckham made his one-handed grab against the Cowboys and I was in the press box for that game too and that was the one time where it was like what and then you, everyone turn around goes up and looks at the replay and you start like holy crap like that was it was such a and it, that play was such an an insane play that Beckham made that it drew a reaction out of the reaction list this play. Drew the reaction out of the reaction list. I mean, look, everyone in that in that locker room now, or in that uh, media room, we all cover the Jets. Like, we're used to bad football. We're used to this team sucking. When, they, when that play happened, when they lost it, like the play before, actually, when, when uh, Carr missed shot on, on Nelson Aguilar, that was one where I remember I kind of was like, wow, he was there. Like, I, said, I sit next to Rich, and I was like, he had him. I was like, he missed him. He had Aguilar. Aguilar was open. When Carr dropped back and the ball was in the air, I literally said out loud oh my god he's open it was just like I couldn't believe it It was like oh my god he's open and then he caught it and as soon as he caught it it was just like oh like everyone in the press was like holy crap he, he's gonna they're gonna win like the Raiders are gonna the Jets are gonna lose oh my god like it was it was unbelievable and then Rich and I are sitting there he and Rich goes he's like how did he get that open and I was like Rich they all out blitzed. Greg blitzed everyone. <laughs> and Rich goes, No, they didn't. I was like, Yes, they did. He goes, There's no way they all out blitzed. I was like, Rich, I'm telling you, look. And I literally took my computer, I unblogged it, and I took my computer. I was like, Dude, look, everyone's going. They bring the four, they bring the linebackers, they bring the two. I was like, Then it looks like. It. Now, the one thing is, uh, I saw this on Twitter. A lot of people said that Farley was a quarterback spy, that like Farley was quarterback spying. The safety was filling in for Bennett Jackson, who was filling in for Ashton Davis. Um, they, who was technically filling in for Bradley McDougald. Uh But they um, the, they said like, oh, Farley was quarterback spying. Farley wasn't quarterback spying. So Farley had Darren Waller. So it was man coverage across the board. So you're going to have the three wideouts taken by May in the two corners. And then Farley had Darren Waller, which it's like, what? <laughs> that, that's really what you want? Like, what, dude? Like, this doesn't get any better. But when Carr uh, adjusted the protection because the Jets all out blitzed, he kept Waller and a running back in the block. So it gave them seven linemen so he kept it and so then uh farley kind of was like a delayed like once he realized waller wasn't coming out then he was going to come in but at that time Carr ran up and flicked, flung it deep but that reaction the press box will always remember because it was like holy cow and it, it, it was honestly man it was, it was the moment where it was like you know this team's now going on 16 like it, it's it's you just like things like that don't happen unless you're going on 16 like they're not going to beat either of these two la teams Maybe they've got a chance if the Browns like you know kind of revert. If the Browns have things like wrapped up, like the Browns win two more, they're looking at eleven and four. The Steelers already have the division clinched up, and the Browns just kind of lay over and and rest some starters or take their time in Week 16. Maybe they lose that one or win that one, but the Patriots are in it. Patriots are going to beat them. The Browns are so much more talented. The Browns can beat them. Browns honestly could probably start their backups (laughs) and beat them. But they uh, they they that that game was that was amazing, man. And and I think what's crazy, Tim, is like. This was the first time it really felt like. This was the first time it really, really felt like. They broke, you know, because at every point this season, I know we're gonna focus. It on, the chat's probably going a little crazy right now, but we'll focus a lot more on on the future and like, look, who cares the Jets lost? Like they, you want Trevor Lawrence? Like this now keeps the Trevor Lawrence dream alive, and I take full responsibility for this being the case because I tweeted the Trevor Lawrence dream is dead. Mm. So I think you can you can put that one on me. Like is I Connor jinxed it.
2: Yeah, you actually tried to blame it on me, I believe, um, when when I was celebrating Ty Johnson's uh, ninety nine yards Over and touchdown. Oh, one actually, one hundred two, I think. Um, oh, one hundred two. So yeah, and then you blamed it on me that that was the reason that my Terps were the reason that the Jets Terps. weren't going to get Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, it all worked that out, did. right?
0: But like the the like the the thing though, Tim is like during every one of these losses, like when the Jets lost to the Dolphins you know they get blown out by the Dolphins both times or when they lost to the the Broncos and Brett Ripon you know or, or when they lost to the Patriots and that was a really close one um the one thing that they always did after every game was like this team managed to find optimism like it didn't matter the record oh and four 0 and five 0 and six oh and 10 they always managed to find some form of optimism you know like even last last week's game to the Dolphins like guys were upset guys are angry obviously but they looked at it and they'd be like, there were five plays out there that we missed that we could have made. Guys that were open where we just made the wrong read. The guy dropped the pass. We just missed those plays. If we make those plays, the game changes. The momentum swings, we got a chance to win. Like, we can get them next week, you know? Or when they lost to Ripen, it was like, you know what, yeah, we shouldn't have done that, but, like, we just messed up a little bit here. We correct these things next week. You know, when they lost to, to the, the Dolphins the first time, it was like, well, you know, Sam, we got, Joe, we have our back. You know, everyone's hurt still. When they get healthy, we always have next week. You know, like, the next week always brought optimism, where it was like, we still got a chance to, like, turn this around. Like, they're still we still got the next week. We still have a chance. This was the first time where it was like, it felt like this week was the next week. Like this was the next, this was when you have the lead, you make the fourth down stop, you get the big plays, the run game's working, you have the lead. And for them to lose in the fashion that they lost, I think that's why you had Terrell Basham literally on a bench for 15 minutes after the game's over, just sitting there slumping. That's why you had Marcus May, like who, I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about him in like a second, because the fact that he spoke out on Greg Williams is like, holy cow, like we got to get to that but you have Marcus May speaking out you have Sam Darnold on the verge of tears you have Adam Grace Adam Gase looking like he's about to cry like it's just this was the first time where I kind of felt like players going this way members of the coaching staff going this way Adam Gase has no idea how to fix this there's no next week optimism it was like this was our next week we're gonna go and 16 the players seem to have realized it and that's when things can get really ugly like they've been they've been ugly now they're gonna get really ugly
1: all right, so let's talk about May because you mentioned it. He's this is not the guy that comes out and speaks out against the coaching staff. He's he's kind of glue in that clubhouse. His teammates love him. He never says anything out of step really, and he's the guy who calls out Greg Williams. Um, and it's not like he you know went on a tirade. He did it in the way he would do it. Right, it was kind of under his breath, like it's got to be a better play there. Um, So what happens now? Because here you have a guy who's a leader on this team, but he's a free agent at the end of the season. You have a coaching staff on the way out. So you would imagine in a different world, maybe he gets sat down for a game or something like that. I can't imagine that happens in this scenario where he's really one of your team leaders. And I would think everybody in that locker room, including maybe Adam Gase and some of the other coaches, kind of agree with what he said so what happens here and does this affect the possibility of him coming back next year or with a new staff does none of that matter
0: yeah, he's gonna get a contract extension <laughs> I that's gonna be adam gase's last last uh last dying moment is gonna be that he's gonna hand a, a 10-year contract extension he's gonna give all the money they had allotted for jamal adams to marcus may after making those comments about greg williams but no man, like like that's the crazy thing is is I've covered every moment of Marcus May's career, literally every minute of Marcus May's professional career. I was there during his first media appearance with at rookie Minicamp where he talked about meeting Jamal Adams for the first time and how they're going to be a good pairing. and And I wrote a big feature on him for the Athletic a year ago, where he was the silent leader. You know when you had. Jamal Adams screaming and yelling and and demanding the attention and I'm the captain and I'm the all pro and I'm the guy, you know, everyone in the locker room, look at me, I'm Jamal Adams, look at me, look at me, look at me. The guy that everyone followed in that secondary was Marcus. They weren't following Jamal or they were following Marcus and Marcus didn't say much, but when he did speak, his words carried weight and the guys looked at him as the consummate professional, the guy who does everything the right way and followed him as a result. He didn't have to say, I'm the leader. He didn't have to say, I'm the captain. His... Personality, his authenticity, his the way that he went about his business, made people want to follow him, made him believe him, made his Jets teammates vote him captain this year. Like that's who he is. The fact that Marcus was so emotionally distraught—I mean, I, literally—I talked to his mom, I talked to his brother, high school coach, college coach for this story, and like everyone told me about how mild-mannered, even killed this guy is. That's why guys want to follow him. So the fact that that player felt so emotionally distraught after Greg Williams's decision and spoke out to us about it. Like if this was Basham and Basham came out and said something, if this was Jordan Jenkins who Jordan Jenkins can get emotionally hot and he came out and said something, like I I would I would get it. I would be like, "Okay, those guys are like not hot-headed, but like they're heated in the moment, they're saying something that don't matter or that they don't mean." But for Marcus May, who is so calculated and so reserved at times, and so thinking three steps ahead—not just one—for him to be so angry and to be pushed to such a limit that he comes out and make no mistake about it, he began that press conference thinking in his head, "I'm burying Greg. I'm burying Greg. I'm done. I'm burying Greg. I'm done with him." Because I asked the first question, like, "What do you think of the play call?" and he goes, "We need to be in a better call." And when he said that that line, the first thing on my head was I must have heard him wrong. Like that's not Marcus. Marcus isn't going to say that. That's a direct shot at the coordinator. He then doubled time, doubled down eight additional times. He did four in the first two questions. The entire conference he went eight additional times. He went so so far as to say, "Yes, we as players need to execute, but you need to put us in a better position." Like it was it was remarkable. And like you said, normally when a player does that, you can get fined for like conduct detrimental to the team. You can get Ripped apart and destroyed by, you know, uh, uh, the coaching staff in a meeting. You can get benched for for a series or a couple quarters or something like that. Like, that's what happens usually when a player talks out with the, we were out coached, we were this, that. I don't know, like you said, Tim, how you do any of that to Marcus May because that's not going to go over well in the locker room. Uh, The players will not respond very kindly to that. And more so than that, I don't think Adam Gase would allow it. I think Adam Gase would step in and say, "F that. We're not benching this guy." Because <laughs> like he, he just said what was on everyone's mind, and it was a, a breath of fresh air. But the fact that Marcus came out and said it carries so much more weight. Because I, I would have in a million years, if you asked me what Jet defensive player, if you had asked me before the season, the Jets are going to go and sixteen, what defensive player after a brutal loss to the Raiders speaks out, what defensive player calls out, calls out the coaching staff specifically, Greg Williams, I would have probably given you. 37 other guys that were not Marcus May. Marcus would have been last on the list. Literally the guy would have been last on the list. Maybe, maybe Neville Hewitt would have been above Marcus May because Neville Hewitt just doesn't talk. So I would probably put him above Marcus. Those would be the only two players that I would put up above above them. And the fact that they've, I mean it's 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 remarkable. Man. It is it is absolutely remarkable if that's it. And when Marcus is willing to crack like that, that's when you know that this, this is it's it
1: you can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com/slash credit card.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: And that is a harsh lesson in
0: business. Sports is and not as um, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so
2: many more doors. The show is
0: called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Let's move on with this game a little bit. Um, we've covered that end of the game, I think. But, but the other interesting thing, and we're seeing it right now in the chat, uh, Connor, but we, I also was going through the, uh, the comments of your game huh. wrap-up.
0: What were this they, like, morning on
1: The Athletic. They, am Man. I getting
0: ripped? They're, who's that one guy who comes in and destroys No, me no, 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 no. It's like a, it's actually like a funny thing. Have you guys seen him yet? <laughs> I got to find out who this dude is. Like I got not like search him out and find him. But there's this one guy, every story I write, it doesn't matter if it's a long form feature. It doesn't matter if it's a column. It doesn't matter if it's a BS like head editor required. We need a shopping list story that like you just kind of write and file. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. This guy Goes in there and just tears, tears me apart. Like I mean, he like he, he tar and feathers me in this comment section every time to the point where like people like are going after him. Like, no, it's not Adam even that's like, account. yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> what's wrong with like? They're like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, what? Why do you hate Connor so much? And I'm like, dude, everything. It, like at one point, I think, and it's crazy because I haven't like we have editors like the read over our stuff. I think there was like. A raw a misuse of of like an apostrophe once like it was like the apostrophe instead of like jets it was like in front of the s instead of after it like something small like that dude he gave me like a seven graph like line like seven graph response about how my grammar sucks and I don't deserve this job and if I'm not careful I'm not gonna have another job in this field like I mean this guy's like brutal so I like I gotta go
1: Sounds like oh, a hey, well, English professor. That's what professor. everyone calls him.
0: They call him like mm-hmm. professor whatever his name is. It's ama- like it's it, dude, it's every comment somebody like this guy's in every story. Every, and you'll notice it because when you scroll down he's the only comment that's like seven paragraphs. Like he writes a novel. Like that's how much he hates me. He hates me so much that he writes a novel after he write, he watches the jets, does whatever he does for a living and then is like, "You know what? F this kid, I'm going to write a novel tearing him apart." I mean, it's amazing. I've never been hated so much. Never. It's it's really remarkable. It's really crazy. <laughs>
1: What I was going to get to is the fact that the Jets suffer this just terrible loss. And the fan base, I mean, it's not everybody. I'm sure there's people that are upset today about this game. But for the most part, the fan base is celebrating the end of that game. A couple of comments from your story. Uh, Robert J said, can't really explain how good of a mood I've been in tonight. 0-12 never felt so good. And then Evan N, finally, a soul-crushing Jets loss we can feel good about. It's, it's something else, and you could tell during the game, like there was almost a vibe watching the game that that while the Raiders were driving down there, the Jets stopped them on Lumber. fourth down. And Jets fans on Twitter were like, oh, no. But then there was more hope for the Raiders. They win it, and Jets fans celebrate because the number one pick is still alive. I've never witnessed this um, while kind of following and covering a yeah, team have
0: I've I think it's because at this point, like, what are you rooting for a win for? You know what I mean? Like, it would, it would be very different. Right. Yes, Gets but it, it would also yeah. be very different if the Jets were, like, 0-15. They had a quarterback they took in this. Like, say they were, like, 0-11 right now against the Raiders, but it was Sam's rookie year. And you still had, like, the quarterback you took and you just hadn't gotten his first win yet. That would be, like, your... There's, like, there's the... You got your... That's the future. Like, you've just let Sam get the win and you're watching your first win. Or... It'd be different if like.
2: Do you do you want your team to go down as like one of the worst teams in history? Like joining. I don't that think it matters because. It, of, you know.
1: I think when you're the third team to go in zero oh, and sixteen, yeah. who cares? Like you didn't want to be that even, first team to do it, but now yeah. It, it, it,
2: I mean, getting one is still like. No. I don't know. Then you avoid that that selects
0: you say it like it's true because people will make fun of the jets and people are gonna people will poke fun of them and they're gonna be like oh your team didn't win right but honestly does it matter if you get trevor like if you get trevor lawrence and trevor lawrence is as good as advertised you're talking about a generational player that is going to be a bona fide no doubt franchise quarterback for the next 15 years if they if he's that good the jets are going to not be afc east contenders not playoff contenders they're going to be super bowl contenders so if you have to take one on the chin and be made fun of for a couple of months because you went 0-16, you, you think Brown know. fans give two shits if they went 0-16 right months. now? The team's nine and four. Sure. Like they're, True, go, they're, but, a, they're going to playoffs for right. the first time in thirteen years. They got a winning record for right. the first time in thirteen years. You think they give two shits that they're not that they went zero sixteen? No, it got him Baker. They went through obviously the dysfunction of Freddie Kitchens, but now they got the head coach. They got the weapons. They got the offensive line, and they're not they're not like a flash in the pan team. Like the Browns are set up for year after year continual success. The Jets would the, the Jet it, if I told any Jet fan right now, I'd be like, hey. In two years, you're going to be 9-4, and four, a couple games back of the Buffalo Bills, but the Bills are undefeated, but you're still going to the playoffs. You guarantee the playoff spot. Uh, looks like you got a franchise quarterback, you got the best rushing attack in the NFL, and you got three receivers and, and a young up-and-coming offensive line. You signing on for that for 0-16? Every single Jet fan in the country would sign that yep. off. This team hasn't won a Super Bowl in 50 years. They haven't been to the playoffs in a decade. The last time this team had relevance, it was when uh, Rex Ryan showed up and just randomly sparked everyone. Like it was, it was that that's the last time this team was relevant. And it's like, it, yeah, it, it's an embarrassment. Yeah. You kind of wish you would win, but at the same time, I think the vast majority of Jet fans can see the light at the end of the tunnel that they are like, you know what? I'm d-. it's like, it kind of like Nick fans in a bit. It's like, I don't want the, I don't want the, just make me relevant. I don't want the, I don't want the, oh, okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to get in as the eight seed, but we're not going to go anywhere. It's, I see it as like, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, we're 0-16. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's, it will be the third team that goes 0-16 ever. But we're gonna get the generational quarterback. We're gonna get the guy who is the best prospect since John Elway. We're gonna get the elite the the guy who can run, the guy who can throw, the guy who's got the the star-studded personality with the long golden locks, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. That's what we're gonna get. And I think they seed that. It would they wouldn't want oh if they had Sam and they still like this was Sam's rookie year, no, they don't want Owen sixteen. If this was they had a quarterback they drafted late in the first round or in the second round and they saw him as like their future, no, you don't want Owen sixteen. You want to see hope. You want to see future. But losing is the hope. Losing is the future. Losing gets you Trevor Lawrence. And I think when when the Jets scored that touchdown, or when the when the, when the Jets scored with Ty Johnson to take the lead, and then the Raiders went went four and out, or not four and out, they obviously drove down the field. But when they had the fourth down stop deep inside Jet territory, there was like the the feeling of this has all been for nothing. ever because it's not like it's not like you don't right. want the Jets to win. It's that you don't want the previous eleven losses to be for naught. Because if the Jets win a game, that's what happens. Like all of this loss, all of this embarrassment, all of like this just taking it on the chin week after week after week being a laughing stock, made fun of on snl like all of that crap is worth it because you you endured that for trevor lawrence but if you win a game if you beat the raiders here and the jaguars keep losing if you beat the browns at some point if you manage to beat the seahawks or that's not happening so actually don't even talk about that if you beat the patriots in week 17 if you win a game And it takes you out of the Lawrence sweepstakes. And yeah, Fields still might be good or that kid from BYU. But if you lose the Lawrence sweepstakes, it's like, it's just another punch. It's like, yeah, okay, we won a game. But like, yeah, we're not 0-16. Congrats, now we're 1-15. But we're 1-15 and we don't, everything else is now meaningless. All of those losses didn't mean anything. It didn't help us. It didn't make us better because we're not getting Lawrence. So I think that's what the vast majority of Jet fans see is they are focused on the light at the end of the tunnel. They want the light at the end of the tunnel and they're willing to be embarrassed and lose and all that stuff as long as they get as long as they get Lawrence because I keep calling people about this kid man I keep calling people about him and everyone I talk to pro personnel directors general managers scouts coaches agents no one has a red flag no one no one said like the one red flag I heard was from a, a director of player personnel and he said he doesn't slide that's it the only red flag of Trevor Lawrence is he doesn't slide in college that's it. That's all. That's not that accuracy. It's not reading a defense. It's not turnovers. It's not like Sam coming out of college. It was the turnovers in his throwing motion. Like he didn't know if he, he had to keep two hands on the ball. because He fumbled all the time, and it was the decision making. It was that he struggled. Josh Allen, massive work in progress. Carson Wentz, can he make the jump from North Dakota State to pro to the pro? Oh, none of it. It's it's he doesn't slide. That's it. That's the only mishap. But not can he read a defense? He can't slide, and he'll learn that in the pros. To so take his first shot, and he'll be like, I'm effing done with that. I'm sliding. I'm getting my ass down now. But like that's it. And 0-16, yeah, it's embarrassing, but you're going to have the last laugh. If the Jets get Trevor Lawrence, you're talking about a team. I'm dead serious. You're talking about a team that if they manage to get Trevor Lawrence, this team has the chance to be a Super Bowl contender in three years. Think about that. The New York Jets absent the playoffs 10 years, haven't been to a Super Bowl in 50 years, haven't been, haven't won a Super Bowl in 50 years, have not been a legitimate dominant force in the AFC since the 2009-2010 seasons, a Super Bowl contender in three years with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL under center. That's the vision in their head. That's what they see. And they don't give a shit about 0-16. They don't care about all the losses and the embarrassment and Adam Gates this and Greg Williams that and all that. Because if you get Lawrence, that's the future you're looking at. You are looking at at Super Bowls, you were looking at playoffs every year. You were looking at divisional titles. You were looking at making the Bills wish they were the Jets and everyone, and the Giants looking up at them as the big brother. Like, it's like like that's what can happen with Lawrence. And that's why you're willing to take 0 16 because that's the future. Like, I tweeted it during the game. Man, like, it's going to be interesting to see how teams defend Jamison Crowder next year when you can't double him because you got to deal with Allen Robinson. What the look at those options for Trevor Lawrence? That's the possible future for this team. That's the vision. you got a competent general manager. He's going to pick the next head coach. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence under center. You're going to have weapons. You're going to have all of these draft picks that Douglas has compiled. That's a future. Like, that's a real, live, actual future for this team. And, yeah, does Zone 16 suck? Yeah. Is it embarrassing? Yes. But, like, who cares? Because you'll get the last laugh.
1: If the Jaguars would just win one more game, I think all Jets fans would be fully geared to win one game and avoid it and still get the number one pick, but the Jags seem like they're... uh they're in this to win it, just like the Jets to get that number one pick. All right, let's talk about some of the other positives because I feel like we got a good vibe going now as we talk <laughs> to the future and and good stuff. So Frank Gore, um, the concussion early in the game, second play, he leaves the game. As far as this game goes, I mean, obviously we wish well to, to Gore and hope that he gets past um, everything to deal with the concussion quickly. But as far as this game goes, it was a blessing in disguise. Ty Johnson, 22 carries, 102, and a touchdown. Josh Adams, who I'm just going to say, Josh Adams does not look like a running back in any way. I'm not <laughs> sure why. it is. weird, doesn't it? He? he just looks like a receiver or a tight. I don't know what it is. He doesn't look like a running back, but, man, he ran it well. Eight for 74. Um, we de- did see a glimpse late in the game why Adam Gase likes to play Gore because these guys don't pick up the blitz as well. Sam Darnold just got blasted on a, on a blitz up the middle. But this offense was more entertaining, Connor, with these two young running backs getting the carries. And, I mean, the Raiders' defense against the run isn't electric. It's not top of the league. But it's also not bad. And the Jets made them look bad. I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. I mean, even for non-Terps, <laughs> even for people that didn't go to Maryland like Marissa, it was fun watching Ty Johnson run on Sunday.
2: You know, I, mean, I I've been tweeting from Connor's account, and I'm about to like promote this part of the segment. And it's I'm like really, 12
0: I'm right. really I'm to knows the you the turtle guys. Everyone apology, knows you, are, but... you do the tweeting. Like that's the funny thing is when
1: you, <laughs> but can. you, I know, won't. you throw
0: a turtle. Not, it's your your account for now. It's your, it's your account to promote the show. I do have to throw, uh, before we move on to that. Tim, the one comment's actually from my buddy in college, uh, Joe a uh, big die hard Jeff fan. I think he actually made a a huge point, a really really good point, is that. If the Jaguars had won a game, all of this changes. Fans will root against 0 sixteen. I think that's about. I think that's 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 true. Because right. That's the yeah. other thing is like, if the Jaguars yeah. were three and thir- if the Jaguars had three wins right now, and the Jets had like a, a big cushion. Yeah, you want them to win because then it's like you want to see Mims go off for one fifty and three touchdowns. You 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 see that like because a loss or a win costs you Trevor Lawrence. They don't care. As soon as a win doesn't cost you Trevor Lawrence, like if the Jaguars win two and you have a two game buffer, yeah, you want to get a win before the end of the season because then it's the best of both worlds. Um, You brought up the running games. I think what was maddening about the running game is that like this is the crap we've been talking about all year. This is why we said give P. Ryan the ball. This is why we said give Johnson the ball. This is why we said feature Josh Adams. This is why we said enough with Frank Gore. Because like Frank Gore is a, a tremendous leader in the locker room. Frank Gore is a tremendous mentor. He's a very good third down back in terms of like He can pass block. He's great in pass pro. And also his decisiveness is usually always good for two or three when the run run blocking doesn't get blown up. So he's a good short yardage back. But he should be limited to like five touches a game because the Jets don't need two or three yards at a time. They don't need veteran. They need speed and playmaking and game-changing ability. And you saw Ty Johnson's speed is an X-factor. Josh Adams' speed is an X-factor. So get those guys the touches because are they perfect? No. Are they as fundamentally sound as Frank Gore? No. Are they going to make more mistakes than Frank Gore would? Yes, in terms of mental mistakes. Absolutely. You saw it, as you mentioned, in the play where Sam got crushed and looked like he almost hurt his foot because Ty Johnson just didn't pick up the blitzing linebacker who ran right by his face. Correct. But you'll get more from them than what you do, Gore, because you got the chance of something happening every time he touches it. Where there was Adams going for 25, Johnson going for 16, like you have a chance with those two guys. Do I think there's actually a future with them in the backfield? Absolutely not. I mean, maybe... Maybe the two come back, but, I, I mean, if you're going into next season with P. Ryan and Ty Johnson as your two starting running backs, like, here's a problem. Like, the Jets are going to look for a veteran or, and another guy to draft that has, like, a, lo- a lot more upside. But seeing these two guys run rampant was, like, head head meet wall because, it's, like, this is what we've been asking for for, like, 12 weeks. Like, enough with Gore. Get the young guys in. Get, get Bell the ball. Get P. Ryan the ball. Get Johnson the ball. Let's see what these guys can do. And to, like – Finally, they get their opportunity. Like, finally. And against a playoff defense, too, in the Raiders. Like, finally, they get their opportunity to play because Francois has a concussion in the first possession of the game. And the guys go off for 200 yards. Like, 104 for Johnson, the first 100-yard rusher, and Adam Gase's tenure as the Jets coach. It was almost 200-yard rushers. Josh Adams, as you said, with 74. Both guys averaging, I think, I, obviously, Adams is over... Uh, Adams is obviously over four, uh, five, five years. He yeah, I averaged mean, nine point three. Ty Johnson averaged four point seven. Like those are numbers we haven't seen since Chris Ivory and and Isaiah Crowell with the dude wipes game, where he, where he pretended to celebrate with a uh, wipe in his butt in, against the Browns. I mean that's amazing. Now, the one thing that I will say that I, I believe, truthfully, that I believe Jet fans should take more optimism in and feel even better about than the because again, like Ty Johnson going off for one fifty, it's it's okay. Like, like, like all right, fine. Like, Ty Johnson just ran for 150 yards. Like, it's cool, but at the same time, the Jets have no ties to him. Like, okay, maybe he's on the team next year, but he's, like, a situational player. Like, that doesn't really matter. It's where the Jets were getting the chunks of these yardage. Every single time the Jets needed a play, whenever the Jets needed yards, whenever the Jets wanted to run the ball, they ran behind number 77, who was standing next to number 67. Pout, F-line, the guy they got from the Vikings. Makai Becton, obviously, who we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. That's who the Jets ran behind. Those two dudes were bulldozers in the run game. I mean, the holes that they were opening up from the first quarter through the fourth, it was remarkable. And I know Becton's going to get some heat because he, for like basically the first time this season, he was beat for sacks. Like uh, Farrell kind of rookie, he, he, he took advantage of the rookie for the first time, you know, and, and he, he made him he made him miss and he got through Darnold for two sacks. Darnold has to have better pocket awareness, but the sack force fumbles those are on Beckton he's got to be better he got victimized by somebody cutting outside of him and wasn't able to push him out and then got victimized on a stun all that stuff whatever but in the run game I mean those two guys 67 77 they opened hole after hole after hole and 67 can be a part of this team moving forward 77 is a franchise left tackle all pro player he's gonna be on this team moving forward to have those two guys paving the way for Johnson and Adams That is more important than having Johnson and Adams run for 200. It's how they ran for 200. It was right behind Beckton, and it was right behind Pat.
1: Yeah, impressive stuff from the offensive line. The other impressive thing we can talk about that we've – I think this will be like the third straight week that we uh, give a gold star to Quinn and Williams who – just again, he's just become a beast and a game changer on the defense, and this time against, like you said, a playoff caliber team. Um, it's just play after play. You see him in the backfield, disrupting the run, doing the things that that Pro Bowl type players do in the interior defense. Lineup.
0: I, I was a Quinn Williams. What's the what, what is it's it's a positive when you stand for someone. S T A N. That's positivity, right? So what's the what's yes. the what's yes. the antonym S-T-A-N. of stand? hater. There's a word though, I think. <laughs> I don't know. It's like they use I stand for so and so and then there's the opposite of, of stand and I forget what it is. Like I don't know, whatever. I'm, I'm way too tired to think of it and my brain's already like working. It. My brain won't work at uh, my my brain at full capacity and all that great. Right now we're at like 60%. So I'm I'm trying to power through here and we're almost out of coffee. Um but I was I was not a Quentin Williams fan. I felt during the draft last year the Jets should have gone with Josh Allen that that was the better player that they had a better defense with henry anderson and leonard williams at defensive tackle and then the steve mcclennan in the middle but Foley fatakasi's development has been like where the hell did this guy come from um that defensive line josh allen outside was josh allen going to be a better player than Quentin williams i didn't know no scout told me that no no the jets obviously didn't feel so a bunch of other player people around the league didn't feel so they h- thought Quinn williams was outside of bosa the best defensive player in the draft But I thought the Jets' defense as a whole was better with Leonard, Henry, Steve McClendon, or Foley, and then Josh Allen outside. What Quinton Williams has done this year, man, is... It's insane. Like, he's making the impact that Leonard Williams was supposed to make. He's making the impact that Sheldon Richardson was supposed to make. He's making the impact that Muhammad Wilkerson was supposed to make every other year, aside from the the two 10-sack seasons he had, you know, after his career kind of went off the rails when he hurt his foot and got paid. I have never seen an interior defensive lineman, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put Aaron Donald in the mix because Aaron Donald's an alien. He is not a normal human being. So like you mm-hmm. can't. It's almost like just put Aaron Donald out there and then assess everyone else. So I haven't seen a defensive lineman in his second year make the impact that Quinn is making right now. I mean every play, whether it's the run, whether it's the I mean he's just a disruptive offense wrecking force in the middle of the Jets defense. I mean, four tackles a sack, three quarterback hits and a tackle for loss. He's got six sacks on the season now. He's got close to forty something tackles. I mean he is he's everywhere. I mean the the, the plate which was more impressive than his sack, more impressive than the um the disruption he had where he beat three people and then got in Derek Carr's face to force a throwaway and, and a pass out of bounds to set up a Raider punt. More impressive than any of that was when he lined up as the if you're looking uh, from the offensive perspective, so you're looking from like behind the quarterback, he went from the left defense left, left defensive tackle spot in a, in a hybrid forty-three. The Raiders ran a stretch play to the outside. Quinnen went down the line of scrimmage from his left defensive tackle spot, so across one defensive tackle, across the defensive end to make the tackle a big hit on the running back after two yards. Like. What 300-pound, 34-defensive end has sideline-to-sideline side speed? Like, forget, we're talking about, forget what 34-defensive lineman has speed, let alone sideline-to-sideline side speed. The ability to go from left defensive tackle all the way across the field to, like, rock the running back two out of bounds. Like, that was ridiculously impressive. So, he's not just a pass rusher. He's not just a freak in that sense. He is a guy that is literally... He's 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 unreal. Like he re- he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. And it's a shame because the Jets are 0-12 and the defense doesn't really get a lot of praise and, and I don't know if Quinn Williams is, is gonna get the Pro Bowl votes he deserves. I mean, he's playing at a Pro Bowl. He should be on the Pro Bowl roster this year. He should be a Pro Bowl. At worst case, he should be on an alternative. I don't know if he'll get there because he missed time and like he doesn't have the, the name save right now and the Jets are losing so many games he's not getting enough publicity. But he's playing out of this world. And to think that this Jets defense next year could have kyle phillips or jabari Zuninga on one side foley in the middle quinnon on one and then you put like matt judon next to him or somebody they draft with that seattle first round pick or in the second round pick next to quinnon i mean you're literally talking about a, a, a a like i said a game wrecking force like he he's doing things as a 34 defensive end that i didn't know 34 defensive ends not named aaron donald could do and it is it is remarkable to watch it's fascinating to watch. You're seeing his confidence come. I mean, at one point, he was jawing with the Raiders' sideline. Like, that's the other thing we haven't seen from in too much this year. He was literally during a TV timeout, like, looking at the Raiders' sideline and just laughing. And I wonder if it was because the Raiders loved in coming out of the draft, and they actually talked to Mike McKagan about trading up, but McKagan, obviously, like, he always did. He was timid and didn't get the deal done. But... Quinnan was like literally talking crap to, to the Raiders' sideline and laughing at the Raiders' sideline and then going out and making plays. I mean, he's everywhere. And to see a guy making plays in the run, making plays in the pass, getting to the quarterback and sacking him, but also disrupting the pass anyway even when he can't get there. Teams are doubling him? Doesn't matter. Teams tripling him? Doesn't matter. Guy's still making plays. And you want a, a, a hat-hanging player, player to hang your hat on? It's him, man, because he looks he looks legit. And, and I, I didn't see it last year. I didn't see it the first couple games this year. But he has come alive the second half of the season, and it's it's amazing to It really is amazing to watch. He's, he is he is developing to a quite an impressive football player.
1: Yeah, he is certainly. We've had a, this has been a quite a positive seeming podcast, despite a uh, heart wrenching loss by the Jets on Sunday. Really, something. Um, but the future is what it's all about for sure. The future directly for this team is a matchup with the Seahawks coming up on Sunday, and that means. Jamal Adams out in Seattle. Uh, That should be an interesting one. We'll see if Jamal speaks up this week about taking on his old teammates, and we will preview that one coming up later this week, probably on Thursday. Um, Go to theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast. We have a special going right now for the holidays. If you buy a subscription, you can then gift one. Um, You get the gift one for free. So uh, buy one gift one at theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Tim M. McMaster for me. And Marissa's at Marissa underscore Morris. Have a great day, everyone.